Well, hey friends, welcome to Practice Makes Faithful. Today we're in season three, episode 16, and we're super excited to give you a little bit of a special episode today, because today we're gonna be featuring a conversation that we had in our Sunday morning worship environment in just a second. But first off, I'm Ben, here with Paul. Yeah, good to be back here, Ben. It's, it's been a really busy weekend for you. Yes, I know it has. Your voice is showing it just yep, a little yep, bit. Yep, a little, so, little raspy today. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we've been engaging this conversation uh, both in our Sunday morning environments, the conversation about sex, sexuality, and gender. Yes. How do we engage faithfully, faithfully in spite of our brokenness? Uh, very similar conversation that you guys have been having with the Grace Chapel yep. youth this yep. uh, this weekend. And so uh, fantastic that, as you said, we get to have this special conversation. I'll let you introduce that a little bit more. Yeah, so we're shooting right on the back end of this event, Spring XP, where we've been in this series called Sexuality 101, mm -hmm. rediscovering our embodied sexualities that are given yep. to us by God. So it's been really meaningful conversation. So what we did today at Grace Chapel, a little mm -hmm. different approach, we had kind of an interview conversation for our message in between mm -hmm. Paul, our youth minister, Rocky, who's been on this podcast before, mm -hmm. and then uh, Corey Carlisle, actually Dr. Corey Dr. Carlisle. Carlisle yeah. And uh, these three, Corey Carlisle, he is a uh, therapist in our area, mm -hmm. and um, he's got his own practice. You can look up his website, a lot of great resources, yeah. great thinker around these areas of sexuality, gender, and he came, was able to speak to our youth this weekend. So we decided for the message today to put these three guys together, and y'all yeah. were just able to have a conversation about where we're at in this series by design, where we were at in yes. Spring XP, and I think it was really good. Yeah, just really to see the overlap in the conversations to really, I think, come back to that question that we need to be asking as Christ followers. Yeah. Yeah. What does it look like to say yes to the things that God is asking of me, knowing and believing that God knows and wants what's best? And so yes. we go back to the words of Scripture. We let them be our guide mm -hmm. as we're trying mm -hmm. to really kind of puzzle through what what's very a very confusing conversation yes uh, because of all of the different conversations that the world around us is <laughs> engaging in and so we know that uh, that we as people who are in the world but not of the world are hearing the conversations of the world can be become you know become confused by the conversations of the world as well especially as they collide with the message that God has for us and so how do we speak clarity into this moment? where there really truly is so yep. much confusion so yep. that we can say our thinking about sex, sexuality, and gender and how to best honor God begins with the message and the word of God in this mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent. So we want to let you listen into this conversation. So we're going to go ahead and hand it over to that and then Paul and I will come back and close it off in the end. All right, Grace Chapel. Good to be with you guys and we're going to have a a unique style for the message this morning because we're at the intersection of um, a series that Paul Hugobart, our lead minister, uh, is doing on, um, let's, let me make sure I read it correctly, creation, fall, and a call to live faithfully in spite of our brokenness, and a weekend event that I alluded to about, uh, for our youth that's been pursuing God's original design for sexual identity and integrity. So to get us started, let's figure out what the two of those uh, look like together. And so, Paul, tell us what, what you talked about last week. Just give us a little quick summary and uh, the foundation you set last week on this series by design. Yeah, for sure. Um, before I do that, I just want to say, man, looking out, it is awesome to see you young folks in here with us this morning. What an encouragement to see you all, to know that you are pursuing faithfulness and to know what you guys have been talking about this weekend. I almost just, I wish I had my phone here to take a picture of you guys. You look so great this morning. Oh, look at this. 
Don't mind if I do. <laughs> Very smart. That, that, that was not Rocky's cue, but, uh, but he will take it as one. Uh, Rocky is a resident picture taker, so that's good. Look at that. Even better. Even better. I love it. Yeah, so, so we're in this series, a three-week series called By Design, and, and very intentionally connecting with what the youth have been talking about this weekend, which you guys will uh, touch on a little bit more in the next few minutes. Um, but, but we're acknowledging that God had a design, an intent, an ideal in creation as he created Adam and Eve. And so we began last week by, by talking about the fact that God created human beings, male and female. In fact, that's what the scripture says, male and female. He created that and he created them. And, and in that is also, so if you look at Genesis 1, and one twenty eight, male and female, he created them in the image of God. He created them. And so we just started by acknowledging this reality that both men and women are uniquely created in the image of God. In very special ways, men and women image God. Both sexes image God in beautiful, beautiful ways. And so, you know, even on our podcast, as we were talking about this weekend, so a plug for the Practice Makes Faithful podcast, um, we talked about that and said it this way, that while neither gender fully images God, both uniquely image God in very beautiful ways. And so we began just by laying that as kind of the first foundational piece that men and women beautifully, uniquely image God, reflect his image into the world around us. And that is God's intent in creation. And we talked about this, also pulling from that same passage, those same two verses, Genesis 1, 27 and 28, that, that sex is a biological and anatomical distinction, distinction that distinguishes male and female. Again, men and women are, are different in many, many different ways. Men and women are different. Um, you know, I joked as well on the podcast this week and even talking with you guys that I think sometimes, and we can talk about this more in the next few minutes, that, that we have this idea in our mind of what it is to be male and female, and sometimes, you know, we have a very American version of that. There's been versions of what that looks like throughout the history, sometimes stereotypical ways that we think that men are men and women are women, but, but God definitely did have a design in mind at creation, and there was a distinction. There's a reason that it says male, then the word and, female. So that separation between the two, very distinct, very different. But again, back to that idea, both very uniquely and beautifully imaging God. And then the third piece that I said, and Corey will give a little bit more, he'll break this thought down some more as we go. Um, the way I described this last week is to say that biblical sexuality is designed to be expressed solely within the context of marriage between one man and one woman. That comes from Genesis 1.28, Genesis 2.24, Matthew 19.4 through 6, as Jesus even expresses that. He says, you know, God created the male and female, and for this reason, a man leaves his woman, will be leaves his parents, will be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. And Jesus says, therefore, what God has joined together... Let no one separate. Let nothing come in between because God is the one that has actually done the joining together. Even though, you know, in marriage, uh, in that marriage ceremony, and husband and wife will stand before each other and before a crowd and they will pledge themselves to each other. And yes, their pledges are uniting them, but there's something incredibly beautiful and even spiritual happening in that moment. As Jesus says, God is joining a man and a woman together in that moment of marriage union. And then this last one, kind of coming from that same idea, just this idea that marriage is intended to be this lifelong commitment 
between one man and one woman. Again, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And so we just said, okay, if we were just to look at Scripture, just to get kind of our baseline understanding of sex, sexuality, and gender, what would we conclude just by looking at Scripture? And so that's what we landed on, those four very basic points And again, I want to acknowledge this piece too. You know, as we have this conversation, we understand and acknowledge that this is uh, this is a somewhat fraught conversation. I mean, at times, it's 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 definitely a sensitive discussion, and and we know that people, especially people in the world, will have very different views than we have in the church. Our idea, or our our hope, our want, our desire is to people who to be people who reflect a biblical worldview everywhere we go. We begin with Scripture. And we let the word of God shape who we are and how we live. And we shouldn't be surprised that that's not true for people who may not think the word, you know, may not think the Bible is the word of God or may not even know anything about the Bible whatsoever. So we want to be those people and we want to reflect God's goodness and light into this world because we want to affect a change in this world, believing that God knows and wants what's best for us above all else. And as we do so, we want to be people who, who bounce, or not bounce, who are full of grace and truth, just like Jesus was full in grace and truth. You know, sometimes we can express these things and express the truth of these things without being full of the grace of Jesus. And when we do, even though we're right, we can be wrong. Does that make sense? And so we want a people who are embracing truth with the heart of Jesus at the same time as we are again. That's what it looks like to shine the light of God into the world, even as we engage concerning very difficult and sensitive issues at times. And so that's where we began last week, kind of laying that as a foundation. I appreciate your clarity on those things, all in very sensitive things. And so uh, that's a good start. Help us know where we were last week. And then Corey, uh, before we let you talk about what we shared this weekend, tell him just a little bit about yourself. By the way, this is Dr. Corey Carlisle, but you, yep. he told us we can call him Corey. And Corey did a fabulous job talking to our youth this weekend. So tell him a little bit about yourself and um, what makes you particularly interested and invested in this topic. Uh, sure. Uh, so by profession, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, uh, certified Christian sex therapist. Uh, so I work with individuals and couples at the intersection of their faith and sexuality and how that applies relationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been in private practice for about 13 years now. I uh, spent a lot of time writing uh, online as well, uh, addressing men uh, with these particular topics as well, as well. Yeah. I highly encourage you to follow mm-hmm. that blog. It is a really good one to get that daily, and so encourage that. Uh, so you've been talking with our youth this weekend at our Spring XP event. So give us a quick overview of what you covered during that. Yeah. Um, so as you can see there, the title for this weekend was Sexuality 101, uh, Rediscovering the Origin Story of Our Embodied Sexuality. Uh, so Friday, we started with the question of why did God create our sexuality? So trying to get back to, to the beginning, as Paul was uh, alluding to as well. And so what was the origin story of our sexuality? Uh, in a sense, this was introducing a theology of sexuality, mm-hmm. namely that God created our sexuality to be God-reflective, mm-hmm. uh, that creation reveals the creator. And so that was Friday night. Saturday morning, uh, we then got into how we reflect God as males and females. And so if our sexuality is God-reflective, uh, and God created us uh, as males and females to reflect his image, uh, Saturday morning was spent remembering the importance of our embodied existence, uh, that we are body, soul, and spirit, and that we can't divorce those from each other. And so part of reflecting God's image as yes. males and females is holding body, soul, and spirit together as we reflect his image. Saturday night, we then went into a stewardship of our sexuality and how we're called to manage wisely this powerful gift that God has given us. Uh, and then we end it with just uh, a call to, to repentance, uh, to deal with that, that brokenness, and how do we, mm-hmm. how do we go on toward, toward healing? Mm-hmm. Well, well said. So 
Let's, let's start with the idea that you mentioned first about uh, theology of sexuality. So in this room, there could be some people who are like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> and of those who, uh, and others may be questioning like, is this, is this even a thing? And what, what does it matter to us? So yeah, in a church setting, we might use no. words like that, but what in, this, what in the world does this have to do with us? So help us out with theology of sexuality. Sure. Uh, so theology of sexuality is simply God's teaching on sexuality. And so instead of starting with ourselves or starting with what's popular mm-hmm. or even the latest research, uh, scientific research, it is starting with God's teaching uh, to get our understanding, to get our foundation on what sexuality is, what it means for us to, to be sexual beings. And so our total approach to sexuality starts with God first. And so simply God's teaching as it relates to sexuality. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Paul, what, what would you add to questions? Yeah, I think that's I think that's really good, and it, it reflects this idea of wanting to embrace truly this biblical worldview. In other words, we are allowing the words of God to shape the people we become. Uh, no matter the people we have been or what our starting point was, we hope that God will be shaping us. Even as it relates to this topic of sex, sexuality, and gender, we want God to be the primary shaping force. And so I think that reflects this idea of having a theology surrounding sexuality even. And so, you know, it's, um, was it Augustine who said, you know, that the thoughts that we have about God, the thoughts that we think about God are the most important thoughts we will ever think. You know, I, that's, that's very true even about this subject. So if we're beginning with something else, we should not be surprised when we come back to scripture, we find that our thoughts and God's thoughts don't line up. But if we begin with scripture, the idea is wherever we are, our thoughts should slowly become more and more like God's thoughts about this subject. And certainly when we think about, um, we talked about how, how I think confused many people are today, whether e- you know, even in the church or, or outside of the church, and that's because there are so many colliding messages um, concerning the topics of sex, sexuality and gender. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, uh, it's not just that there are so many colliding messages, it's that the messages we're hearing are so quickly, so ever shifting. Mm-hmm. You know, if I think about what the communication was on sex, sexuality and gender, when I was growing up, guys, when I was your age, and I know some of you guys are thinking, wow, that was a long, long time ago. And yes, it kind of was, uh, because I'm more than you know, twice as old as, as many of you guys. And um, the messaging, even in the culture, was very different from what it is today, very different. And so if I look at how rapidly things have changed, there's no wonder there's confusion. So where can we as Christians go to find a consistent communication about sex, sexuality, and gender. Well, it's, it's the word of God, and those ideas originate with God. Right. And so when we talk about theology of sexuality, that's not a complicated thing, really. That's just saying our thoughts about our sexuality or the topics of sex, sexuality, and gender begin with God and end with God and don't go anywhere else. Even if they have maybe begun with something else, we're coming back to the beginning and saying, God, help us align with you because in that we'll find what we were intended to be. Yeah. Is that, is yeah, that fair yeah. reflection yeah. as well? Yeah, so it starts with God, and um, this is a, if it starts with God, then it's a good thing. Good thing, yes. Sex, sexuality, gender, a good thing. Um, it's not something to be ashamed of, not something to be weirded yes. out by, uh, and so I'm very grateful we're talking about this. Yeah, and we may get into this uh, a little later, but like you're saying, it is a good thing. So who, why did God create sexuality? It starts with the assumption that God created our sexuality. And so as we're reading in that Genesis passage, when he created, he created things that are good and very good. And so yes. a lot of 
the confusion around sexuality is that we see it as something uh, less than, maybe a necessary evil um, that we just have to, to tolerate. But when we read scripture, sexuality mm. is a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. And so part of theology of sexuality, part of our stewardship is redeeming that goodness as well. And so not letting the world distort it and see it as something that uh, is gross or perverted or right. uh, in a shady part of town. No, sexuality is part of our, our gift. Uh, so how to celebrate it as such. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. And probably most of us who grew up hearing about this, if it was talked about in a church context, you know, uh, then what we heard was, it's good for married people. Mm-hmm. God may, yeah, we, we can buy into that. But before then, there's almost like a, uh, there's nothing for you. You just, mm-hmm. just got to wait. And mm-hmm. what you expressed to the teenagers, I think would be helpful for us to talk about in here, is if God created it, we mm-hmm. are beings who are sexual, what in the world does that mean? Like, what are we supposed to do with that for people who are not married, who are single? Who, right, yeah. right. Yeah, so we spend a lot of time this weekend making distinction between sex and sexuality. Uh, so we often reduce that when we say sexuality, we're often thinking about this sex act. Uh, but we spent some time unpacking that this weekend, uh, where sexuality for me is about who we are as males and females, um, where sexuality is our gender expressions. Sometimes we use the phrase social sexuality in that we take our gender everywhere we go. And so I interact with you mm. as a male, with a male, or male with a female, respectively. And so that's part of our sexuality, and that is grounded in our, in our gender. And so that sets the foundation for, yes, the sex act, but the sex act, in fairness, is very a small part of who we are as sexual beings. Important part, profound part, there's a lot of rich theology mm. that can come from, from that aspect as well, but that's still a very limited aspect of who we are as sexual beings, uh, where our entire sexuality is who we are as males and females. Um, and so as you're mentioning that biblical sexuality is designed to express solely in the context of marriage. Yeah. I agree with that to an yes. extent yes. when that's talking about the sex act itself. Um, but to your point that we're all sexual beings and so our sexuality, this message is for everyone because we're all sexual beings. We're all engaging in this dance of the sexes whether we're married or not. And so because we take our gender with us everywhere, whether you're single, married, whatever you're... Um, uh, marital status is, again, we all are in the stance of sexist reflecting God as males and females. That's an important distinction. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point to say that everywhere I go, I obviously engage in a way that is a reflection of my, my maleness in that right. sense, right? And so I think that's a very fair point. There, there are things about our sexuality, our gendered expression that exist very much apart from the sex act that is shared between only man and woman in, within the bonds of marriage in that sense. Um, and so I think the distinction that Corey is making, so even as I talked about, you know, biblical sexuality is intended, designed to be expressed only in, in marriage between one man and one woman, um, very much what I'm expressing in that point is that the act of engaging in physical union that way is intended to be expressed only between one man and one woman, but... I am a man is it, it, it colors the way I interact now some of that and we'll talk about this more is you know sometimes a stereotypical maleness can come out and we have to kind of flesh that out whether that's always healthy or not always healthy um, and the same thing true about femininity but I think the point that you're making here is a very helpful one because it, it digs a little bit it's kind of like okay here's this onion we're going to peel back a few layers of the onion and here are some of the things that we start to discover as we peel back the layers of the onion that sexuality is definitely more than just, and this should, this should just be obvious, right, in one sense, but that sexuality is more than one physical act. Right. 
And so I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the way you're thinking through that, Corey, and the way you're helping us think through it as well. Yeah, and that helps us at all stages of life. And so uh, if you're young and single and getting married one mm. day, having that foundation serves you well when, when you get married. But even if marriage is not uh, for you, there's still a sense where you get to engage in this dance of the sexes. You still get to be sexually whole even if you're single. Mm-hmm. So you're not missing out on the fullness of who God is in the stance of the sexes. It just looks different uh, whether you're single or whether you're married. Yeah, I think that's right. What, what we believe to be true about everyone, I believe every one of us, would say we desire to be loved for who we are. Mm-hmm. We desire to, for people to care about us, to value us for who we are without having to posture or pose or try to be right. something mm-hmm. else, yep. someone else. And so I guess the question we all wrestle with from a very early age is, will you love me? Will you accept me mm-hmm. for just me? And not having to, can I love myself for just me? And that is a, that's a hard battle. Yeah. <laughs> that's hard. So the thought of having someone else accept me for just who I am with my flaws and imperfections and whatever the rest of the lyric of that song is. I mean, just, it's just, it, it feels overwhelming that someone would truly love me that much, mm-hmm. that I can be totally known by them. They know all there is to know about me and still care about me. That is an incredible mm-hmm. reflection of God. I can see right. how the reflection right. of God right. plays out in our sexuality. Yeah, and that's a deep desire that certainly has a lot of fulfillment in marriage where you can be naked and without shame with each other. But like you're saying, that desire for us to be unknown in each other's presence, that's for us all. And so it's not just limited for marriage, that's for for everyone. Mm. Mm. Man, uh, I love that thought. But we've really focused uh, a bit in our conversation already about the distinctness, the uniqueness of males and of females. So I think some conversation for just a few minutes mm-hmm. on, uh, Corey, what, in what unique ways do males and females reflect God? Yeah, and certainly we can continue to flesh this out more. And God is an infinite God, so we can spend a lifetime probably reflecting on these things and considering in different ways that males and females reflect God. Uh, but in short, I believe Adam, uh, males, we get to reflect God in a life-giving strength. Uh, and Eve, women, uh, they get to reflect God in a soul-nurturing beauty. Uh, and again, this is three-dimensional. Often we reduce that to just the physical, and you have to be physically strong or physically beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it includes that, but certainly not limited to that. It gets into those deeper parts of our soul and spirit as well. And so do you have a, a strong soul? Do you have a strong spirit, a beautiful soul, a beautiful spirit? And so it's reflected on all those levels and not just the, the physical. Uh, but again, in short, uh, men get to reflect God in, uh, in strength, and women get to reflect God uh, in beauty. I would not make these absolute categories. And so there's aspects where men still reflect beauty as well. Mm-hmm. The beauty of masculinity just looks different than the beauty of femininity. Sure. Uh, there's a strength of femininity as well, but again, mm-hmm. that strength just looks different than the strength of masculinity. So again, I'm not making a hard distinction that only men can be strong and only women can be beautiful. They seem to have those uh, archetypes, as it were, uh, yes. for masculinity and femininity, but there's some overlap there as well. Yeah, that is such a helpful kind of framework to think about those distinct um, images. Paul, you've talked about, and we did this weekend even in our uh, event, kind of some stereotypes, and you just mentioned archetypes. Yeah. So maybe talk a little yes. bit about that, how that's confused the whole issue. Yeah, so this was, um, you know, just uh, um, I, I was able to work on a project recently that Renew published a book called Male and Female, and then the introduction to that, Renee Sproles, who some of you are familiar with, talks about the distinction between archetype and stereotype. And that's 
an idea that I would say I had not even really processed or not with that language myself until actually my wife pointed out reading through that book that, hey, this was a really interesting conversation. So I went and I had to go read it, even though, you know, I, I uh, was supposed to have pre-read the whole thing. I missed that piece, apparently. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I think there's really, really helpful language there to think about archetype, what things looked like in the beginning versus stereotype, the way that we sometimes characterize things to be. And when we talk about the idea of characterizing something, we're actually admitting that there is a caricature, caricature connected with it, right? So if you ever sat down, you ever gone to a theme park or maybe a fair or something like that, and uh, you sit down with somebody who's gonna draw you as a cartoon, and you think about the things about yourself that they will accentuate. Um, I don't, well, I'm not going to tell you why I don't do that because then you're going to see the thing that I don't like <laughs> about myself from, from now on out. And so I'm just not going to tell you. But I don't do that because I'm very afraid that they're going to highlight one thing. And I, I don't really want to see that, right? And so, but, but that is almost in, in art, creating a stereotype of my image. It's a caricature. And I think we have done that with the archetypal designs of male and female we've superimposed things that are sometimes really just characters, characters, right? Does that make sense? And so, you know, I, here's the way I've kind of joked about this to some degree. I think sometimes, especially in American society, right, we got this idea that, you know, when it says that, you know, male and female, he created them in the image of God, he created them, that Adam was born wearing a football helmet and Eve was born with cheerleader pom-poms, right? And so that's our idea of male and female, you know, of course, this guy was born as just an absolute brute, and you know the idea of strength is certainly in there, but, but was brutishness a part of that package, or is that sometimes the way that things have been twisted, right? Um, you know, was Eve born with pom-poms? I don't think so. Actually, they were born with nothing, right? Or they were created with nothing. Um, but, but there are so many other stereotypes we could overlay over top of that, not just from 21st century America, but we could go back and look at, you know, 15th century Europe, and we could see that some of the very stereotypical things that were identified with, with maleness are actually not identified with maleness anymore today, such as the writing of poetry, which was a very much masculine pursuit, such as the composing of classical music, right? I mean, all these different things. Do you know that at one point in time, it was only men who stood on a stage and acted, right? Where now that's not seen as like a masculine pursuit nearly as much anymore. Or so, yeah. Again, we can see how we've superimposed an American ideal or sometimes maybe even Western Europe in the 15th century may have superimposed a 15th century Western European ideal over top of the archetypal maleness, female design. And so, you know, it's good for us if we can at least have in our minds, because here's, here's what I acknowledge. I don't know that we can pull all this apart right. and figure out what is stereotype and what is archetype fully because our understanding of what it means to be male and female is so clouded and sometimes even sometimes, I believe, polluted by the influence of culture upon us for centuries and centuries and centuries that understanding exactly what God meant when he said, I created them male and female beyond just the biological sex design I think we have a hard time figuring out fully beyond understanding the ideas of strength and beauty and how those play together. I think we have a hard time figuring out what does it mean to be male? Does it mean that all of us guys ought to be just like John Wayne? I hope not because then I'm even a failure to some degree, right? Women, 
Does it mean that you're all supposed to be like the ads that you see on YouTube and on television that you know, are glorifying what feminine beauty looks like with all makeup and everything else that goes? I hope not, right? I hope that's not what we're talking about. And I hope that in that we can actually see, and we'll talk about this more next week, that actually what is reflected sometimes is our brokenness, mm-hmm. right? And the influence of the brokenness of this world upon us and not necessarily God's original intent and design. And so we should have, I think, a deep humility within us when we read male and female, he created them. Yeah. In the image of God, he created them. Understanding that we have been deeply influenced by generations of cultural thinking, cultured thinking for year upon year. And so what does it mean? I don't know. Sometimes we're going to have to come back to Scripture and rediscover and say, okay, God, you teach us what this means so that we can really reflect and image you into this world as opposed to just looking like everybody else around us. Yeah, and I think that's some of, uh, certainly the need coming back to, to Scripture, to that theology, doing that in community, yes. being able to uh, sort through some of these things with each other because some of the challenge is there's elements of truth in those stereotypes. Yeah. So it's not like it's completely exactly. divorced from the archetype. Those stereotypes became stereotypes for a reason. The challenge becomes we put ourselves in a box of that stereotype that I have to now conform to this cultural mm-hmm. stereotype that we miss the fullness of who God has called us yes. to be. And so recognize there's nothing wrong with the stereotype. Like if you happen to be the football player, then fine, like be Good. the football player. Yeah, sure. um, <clears throat> But if you're not the football player, you don't have to feel bad by not living up to to that stereotype. There's other expressions of your masculinity, there's other expressions of your femininity than what is seen in in culture. So that's where our work together is, all right, you've put yourself in a box, but you don't have to be in that box. God has not put you in that box. Here's a full gender expressions of who uh, God has created you to be as males and females. Yeah, thank you, Corey. That's really good and clarifying. I hope that really helps for y'all. Yeah, undoubtedly. So as we kind of end this conversation and we'll continue this next week as you said and I encourage you to continue to have conversations with your family but as we end this I'm going to ask you to do something that's um, Corey that's really difficult to say in all that we talked about Mm. is there something you would point us towards that like how do we live faithfully as sexual beings how do we live faithfully as males and as females who are trying to reflect God in our sexuality can you give us one thing give us a, a direction in that uh, yeah, so probably where we ended with uh, the weekend with the youth. Um, and so it's a call to practice sexual stewardship. Uh, so remembering that our sexuality is not our own, uh, but we must wisely protect it. Uh, we need to cultivate it. We need to celebrate it. Uh, remembering that it's God's gift to us. And oftentimes this calls for a costly obedience. Uh, that we have to sacrifice what we want and even what's popular uh, to remain faithful to who God has called us to, to be. Uh, but that stewardship is an ongoing practice. Mm. How do I protect this thing that God has given me? How do I cultivate it, grow it into its best? How do I celebrate it? Uh, which is just a practice of uh, joy, a practice uh, of thankfulness that this is God's gift. Mm. Um, but also recognizing that I don't necessarily get everything that I want. Uh, that some things I have to sacrifice what I want and what's popular to be faithful. And so it calls for yes. a, a costly obedience. Yeah, yeah that's So good. well said. Any, anything, any thoughts? Well, I, first I would say come back next week. That's one thing you can do. Um, You know, as we finish this conversation together, also we sent out a list of resources that you can dig deeper into. Um, But even in light of those resources, here's the piece that I really want to come back to. Our ideas as Christ followers should originate or as we're being recreated, renewed, Romans 12, right? So we don't want to conform to the pattern of this world but we want to be renewed, transformed, right? And that's what God is at work doing in us. And so as we 
say yes to entering into this relationship with Jesus where we say, you're in control now and I'm no longer in control, the world, the culture around us is still going to be seeking to control us. And it's, it's the enemy often at work through the world around us, seeking to control us and keep us conformed. But God is looking to transform us. So how do we move to that place where we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind? It's by engaging with the word of God and allowing the word of God to be a corrective when it needs to be to help reshape, transform, rebuild, or renew our thinking even about this particular topic. And so again, I would say, yes, there are lots of confusing messages out there. How do we put the confusion on mute to some degree? Well, we come back to the source, the source. And that's, that's what I want to point us to, again, as Christ followers, is let's listen to what God has to say about this before we're sitting there listening to what anyone else has to say about this. So that would be the one thing I would say to, to practice to be faithful. Well, Speaking of listening to what others have to say about this, mm. uh, one thing I would land on is uh, a resource. Paul mentioned a list of resources. We yeah. sent out an email. Uh, Corey Carlisle has a couple of books. One here is called Naked and Without Shame that I would highly encourage you to go online and buy and purchase. I mean, such a good, thoughtful writer and uh, very encouraging. So that's a, uh, mm-hmm. one of many helpful resources I encourage you to. And, and most of all, the, the image we're looking to become the most is not just the, the mm-hmm. best male you can be or the best female you can be, the true you, search your heart. Yes. It is Jesus Christ. Amen. It is likeness of Jesus Christ. It is pursuing constantly how to be changed into his image, to be sanctified, to be, God, make me the person you designed me to be so I more, treat people more like Christ. That's what we're looking for, who embodied perfectly, beautifully the strength and the beauty mm. that represents God. So that's what we're going for. As a matter of fact, yes. we're about to sing a song that uh, may it be a prayer for you. It, the song uh, is called Sanctuary. I'm going to read just first line. Oh, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. God does the purifying. God does the making us holy. We can't do that without him. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary, a safe place, a place of, um, to, a safe place um, for others. May we be that, like Jesus was, because as Josh reminded us, he is living and like he still is, let's be that for others. Wow, that was a excellent conversation. So appreciative for you, Paul, Rocky, and Corey for having that, really just being able to dive into that conversation with us. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a, such a blessing, you know. We, Corey is is a member here at Grace Chapel, and this is really the area that he's devoted himself to in helping couples navigate um, healthy in a healthy way, kind of their sexuality, the conversations about sex. Then being able to come here and actually now take that same expertise yes. and apply it to a very uh, in a, within a very theological framework. Yeah. And so I hope that you know, as, as one who was a part of the conversation. I hope that what Corey had to share, even maybe what I had to share or Rocky had to share, certainly was a blessing to you um, mm-hmm. and, and challenged you to think more deeply. As I mentioned in, you know, during the, the time of the message and on stage, you know, we really are trying to peel back the layers of the onion, uh, begin with a very basic foundation, but then say there are deeper implications of all that we're talking about. Um, and hopefully this is helping to bring some clarity yes. into... Yes. Um, you know, into the conversation that, that you probably have, you know, on a week-to-week basis about these things because it's something that, that everybody's talking about at this point in time. Yeah. And so, That's again, awesome. for me, the big thing in this is we want to understand what God has for us. We call that truth. 
we want to engage with God's heart for us and for others as well. We call that grace. And so again, as we engage this very tough discussion, how can we be people who embrace the truth of God and the grace of God, yes. just like Jesus did, yeah. being fully, um, in a sense, I'd say filled to capacity with both of those things. As much as we can be a people of truth and a people of grace, let's be those people, especially because we know this is a sensitive conversation. Lots of difficult conversations. This gets very personal, very emotional for people. So how can we be the kind of people that don't stop speaking truth because it becomes emotional, but learn how to deal with grace so that when we're having those hard conversations that people see the love of Jesus on yes. display in us. And really, so that's, I think, the big thing. And I hope that you're able to see that even in the conversation we had today. That's excellent. That's excellent. I think that's a great way that we can practice to be mm -hmm. faithful to Jesus this week right. is by embracing that. I mean, one of the things Corey talked about is like even just embracing in our own sexuality, this sexual yes. stewardship that you yes. talked about of embracing that in your life, of being a steward of mm -hmm. this. Like Rocky used an illustration actually at Spring XP I thought was okay. really helpful. We're using an illustration of being given a car of giving yeah. his kids a car, keys, access to this beautiful gift that mm -hmm. you've been given, but it's also really powerful and it can be really right. destructive. Yes. And in order to get those keys to that car, there's some training, some good stewardship that we right. need to have over that. God has given us this awesome gift of sexuality yeah, and we wanna be right. good stewards of it. So like we would encourage you really invest in this. Think about these conversations. Like, mm -hmm. A resource I want to recommend to you, if you'd like to dive more into this, hear more from Dr. Carlisle, Car Carlisle um, you can check out, he actually just released mm -hmm. a book that's like a, a compilation of a lot of his journals, a lot of things that he's written on this up to this point. It's called yeah. Naked and Without Shame. That's right. And we'll put a link to that book, yes. put a link to his website as well, so you can check out more of those resources. Mm -hmm. But we would love for you to tune into that, and we'd love for you to tune in again next week yep. for the final part of this conversation by design. So we hope to see you all again next week.